Alright folks, welcome back to another episode of Shock Treatment with Mel and Matty. I'm uh, Matty, and uh, we got Mel over here. Mel, how you doing? I'm doing. Excited to do another episode with our good friend over here. Alexander Hawk. Yes, that would be me, Mr. Alexander Hawk, here ready to uh, have some fun and tell some stories. That's what I like to hear. Unfortunately, I don't think I was here on the uh, on the episode the first time you were on shock treatment. I think I was away from the microphone. For that. Yeah, it was it was just me the first time he came on the sh- on the show. Excuse me, I got the hiccups. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it'll be good. Like uh, it'll be it'll be fun. It'll be a fun time. I've known Alexander Hawk for whew, many years now. Um, yeah, many years. I mean, uh, there was that uh, time when uh, we were dropped at uh, as little babies on the doorstep of the cathedral, and the monks took us in. That's true. It's more like a problem child opening. <laughs> That's how I consider it to be. But, yeah, I met I met the Alexander the Great um, eight years ago, maybe. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's uh, been about eight. Let's say 2012. I think. Oh no! Um, well, I met you at a premiere, I think, right? Uh, yeah, we we met each other at the premiere, and that was 2011 for sure. That was 11. So yeah, we met in 2011. Nine years. Uh, going huh. strong with this big guy. Maybe we'll do a big ten-year uh, anniversary, and we'll get dinner or something. If uh, if we're allowed to sit next to each other. Oh, the real. Oh, oh! I'll even give you a big wet kiss, buddy boy. <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd hope so. I'll come and film it so we can have it on film. We can film the after hours of it too and make two different um, videos. The first bombastic porno. (laughs) Is Alexander Hawk that dedicated of an actor to uh, go to that level? Can I steal that deal with Matthew Fisher? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, if, if that happens, uh, I'm going to have to be a lead in everything that you do for the next 20 years. Can you take that whole 14 and still remember your lines, Hawk? <laughs> oh, I'll remember my lines. He's actually going to have to remember. Oh, very dialogue heavy. Very dialogue heavy. Oh, <laughs> It's point yeah, pornography. It, it, it's called uh, Shakespeare and Lust. It's uh, there you go. It's pornography, <laughs> but Alexander Hawk has to do has to you know has to up up his game. So it's it's, yeah. it's a little more highbrow pornography. Uh, yeah, you know, like, uh, like to be or not to be. That is the question. Is it noble in the mind to take the dick up the ass or just down the throat? Woo! <laughs> Ooh, and there it comes, right out of Alex, you make me uncomfortable now. You cross the line. Something about Alexander Hawk talking about coming down the throat is horrifying. It's too much. Seriously, our first R-rated episode of that Shock Treatment. That crossed the line, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I'm surprised. I feel like this... I didn't think Alexander Hawk would be such a controversial guest. Oh, well, you know, quarantine. He's got nothing better to do. I guess so. Yeah. 
You see, this is what happens. Like, I mean, I've already done, you know, about, you know, four to five days in quarantine. My brain is gone. So, you know, there's, there's no, no filter right now on me right now. I got, I got no filter. Well, yeah, you're, you're... I'd hate to see what you'd be like in prison, bro, if you had to go and do a prison bid right now. I'm ready for it. Anyone out there that's doing the prison fi- uh, film, I mean, I, I I know exactly how to do it. <laughs> Alex Hawk would need a lot of chapstick in prison. It would, be, it, would, it would be a very unfortunate event for the Hawkman. But, uh, yeah, you're in quarantine for what, two weeks because you just came back from uh, on-location shooting, right? Yes, yes, yes. Um, nice horror I film just, called Bloodthirst. Hmm? Nice horror film called Bloodthirst with director Michael Sue. Is that what I think is going Yep, yep. Michael Sue is the director on that. Um, and... Uh, Produced by the Mahal Empire. Um, yeah, I just uh, came back from that. I spent two weeks on set in glorious Nevada. Ooh. Yeah, far away from, from Boston. Uh, I'd say it was interesting. The first day I'm there, I almost like totally, you know, stroked out because the, 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 difference in temperature like totally sucked out like all the water that was in my mouth i like could hardly speak when i landed holy moly holy moly hotter than indianapolis what was that again now was that hotter than uh indianapolis oh heck yes heck yes I mean, it was funny yeah, because... It was ridiculous. So it was like, yeah. what, 120, and it's all a dry heat. Oh, yes. Now, now, the funny thing is that, you know, when I got there, it really hit me hard, but after Ooh. being there for two weeks, my body finally get accustomed to it. But, you know, it definitely was a shock to the system when I first landed. Well, they say even before COVID came to town, you got to be careful about catching diseases in uh, good old Vegas. Yeah, yeah, but unfortunately, uh, I didn't get a chance to get uh, diseases the old-fashioned way. Did you hit up the casinos at all? Um, The casinos, well, where I stayed, the hotel had a casino in there, and I hit that one. You tried your hand at Lady Luck? You win any big money? Well, I tried my hand with Lady Luck. Um, it was funny because, like I said, I was there for two weeks, so, you know, I kind of dropped, like, you know, ten bucks each day, but I did end up winning, like, yeah, I I, I actually ended up winning, like, seventy dollars back on, like, the second to the last day, so, in the end, I didn't uh, lose that much. Well, there you go. That's a good way to do it. Yeah. So who did you get to work with on on set when you were there? Was my were my eyes deceiving me, or did you get to work with the lovely Sarah French as well? Oh yes, I got to work with the great Sarah French. Actually, it was funny because um, uh, I, the first scene that I show up, I get to put on the creep factor as I very heavily and creepily put the moves on her. I thought you were going to act. You poor bastard. That sounds like a rough day. I thought you had an act. It was tough. It was tough. I don't know. I mean, I mean, I was sweating. It was hard to, you know, get into that kind of a 
creepy, you know, uh, disheveled, uh, you know, uh, ape of a man. But, you know, I did that and Sarah French, you know, was able to work me through uh, that uh, hard, hard uh, job. Sarah's a good friend of the show, her and Joe. We're hoping to get yeah. Yeah, we'll get them on some one of these days. I know the the great Tara Reed was on this film. Did you get a chance to work with her or meet her or anything? Uh, well, the thing is, I was in a scene that she was in. Um, yeah, I didn't get a, a lot of time to actually talk to her because a lot of her scenes, you know, uh, I wasn't involved with. But uh, being that I was there for a few days, I wasn't actually acting. I stayed on set to, you know watch everything from behind the scenes. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, w I was there. I saw Terry Reeves. He did a great job. Uh, she's going to be a very great vampire queen in in the film. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Uh, you return. This is your, what, second time working with uh, the great Robert Lissardo, or second, right? Well, How was that? Actually, actually, it's the third. It's the third time? Look at you. Third time working with Robert Lissardo, yeah. Um... And I do have to say that um, the second time I worked with him was Bridge of the Doomed, where I actually did have a scene with him and some dialogue. Uh, but the first one, Attack of the Unknown, and this one, I did have scenes where I was in the scene with him, but I did not have any dialogue with him. Okay. You got any... Uh, so, yeah, that's cool. You know, as an, as an actor... What does it mean to you, and how good does it feel to be able to work with some of these actors that you you, you would like you you go to the store or theater to purchase tickets or the DVDs to watch their movies? Like, what's how does it feel, and what's it like to get to a point in your career that you know you get to work with you know you get to consider these people your peers? You know, whether they're people that are on the underground doing it big. Or are there people that you've watched in movies your whole life? What's your take on that? Well, I have to say, I think it's, I mean, uh, I don't want to speak for all actors, but I, I assume being an actor and also a film lover, uh, that it, it's probably the best experience that you can ever have is when you get to be in a film with people that you've admired and that you've grown up watching. And, um, I mean, even if you're not exactly in the scene with them, I mean, for example, uh, there was a lot of scenes Robert Lozardo did in Bloodthirst that I was not involved with, yeah. but I was there sitting behind the scenes and I'd be watching, you know, the dailies and, you know, I mean, it was, it was great because, you know, he is definitely one of the uh, one of the uh, actors that I've, I've, I've worked with that is so professional and so into, you know, doing, uh, doing the, the role. Uh, one of the things was that whenever he was on set and he's, you know, waiting to go on set, uh, you know, one of the rules was not to talk to him. Not, not because he wasn't uh, nice or anything, but the fact was he... He was all about, you know, wanting to be in the character and ready to, you know, do his job without any, inter uh, without any, um, distractions. Of course. Yeah. yeah. And that's something I totally respect and totally understand. 
And especially uh, when when you're on set, you're there and you want to do, you know, the best that you can and put on the best performance. Right. And different actors have different ways of doing it. And uh, I really respect Robert. He, he really, you know, stole the scenes that he was in. Yeah, I've been lucky enough to work with some people, you know, that I, that I grew up, you know, watching. It's a good good feel. For anybody that doesn't know Robert off top of the head, off the top of the head, you know, he's he's one of those. You see his facial gnome for sure. You know, he was in like uh, Moving with uh, Richard uh, Richard Pryor, which is a classic. I love that comedy, kind of underrated comedy, like a Doctor Detroit underrated type deal. You know, Short Circuit Two, he's in. He's in Hard to Kill. He's in Out for Justice with the, your boy over there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Doing it. Um, yeah, you know what I mean. Water World. You know, he's one of those dudes who pops up and everything, and it's cool. I remember when you came back from, um, I think it was Attack of the Unknown, and you got to, like, you got to really uh, work with him for the first time. Uh, and I remember you guys got to share a moment, like an actor's moment, which was cool. I won't yeah. ask that. I mean, if you want to get into it, you can. I won't ask you to get into it. Um, but, I mean, I, always, I thought that was cool. Like, those moments, I, I think those moments are some of the best type of moments you can have on, like, a film set for people that grew up, really, you know, as fans of cinema. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, um, actually, uh, it was um, it wasn't Attack of the Known. It was Bruce of the Doom that uh, I had uh, that experience with him. Um, uh, on Bridge of the Doomed, like I said, I had, um, a scene with him, and my, my role, uh, was, uh, captain in the military, and I came up, and I had a bunch of, um, you know, uh, pretty much facts I had to relay to Robert Lasardo's character, and, you know, I, I, I had the memories, but I, I, I kind of stumbled on a few lines, because, you know, it was mainly, you know, information I had to relate to him. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, it happens. And, of course, I was, you know, disappointed in myself and a little upset. But uh, we took a little break, and he actually, you know, brought me over, and he helped coach, uh, coach me through, you know, the uh, the uh, trouble I had with, uh, you know, the lines. So, you know, next time when we did it, we just sailed through without a problem. But... I definitely appreciate that he took the time to, you know, help me get over that little mental block that I was uh, struggling with. For sure, yeah, that's like that's that's, that's cool stuff. Yeah, I always like hearing that story. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's good stuff. So, where did it all start with uh, uh, with Alexander? You do theater in like school, or when did act? When did you catch the acting bug? Um. Well, I mean. It's, it's funny. I would say that I've always kind of had the acting bug. I just didn't know what to really call it for the longest time. Yeah. Because, I mean, when I was growing up, um, unfortunately, I didn't have a lot of um, friends. I didn't hang out with a lot of people. And it was, you know, in the 80s. So we didn't have, you know, um, you know computers and all the stuff that you can just, you know, log in and you know, play games with someone in, you know, Tibet or anything like that. Right. So, I mean, honestly, what I did a lot of times to entertain myself was I'd go into the backyard and it'd be like after watching, let's say, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and 
I'd pick up a stick and I'd be pretending that I was beating off the Foot Clan or pretending I was a pirate on the on the seas or when you something say, like that. When you say be- and when you say hmm? when you say beating off the Foot Clan, is that are you talking about violence or okay? Back to your story. My apologies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I know. But. Yeah, but like I said, I mean, um, and then as, as time went on, um, I remember when I was in, uh, fourth grade. Oh, wait, no, no. Actually, it was, it was late. It's actually high school that I'm thinking of. That, uh, I was okay. in the performance of Guys and Dolls. Okay. And, uh, I had, had a small role, nothing big. I had, uh, you know, I was just one of the ensemble. And, um, one of the, uh, parents came up to me and congratulated me on my, uh, on my performance and told me that, you know, I was, you know, so good that, you know, they just loved watching whatever I did. And I didn't have any lines. I didn't really have any, anything to showcase me. And, and when that happened, I kind of was like, well, if I could take, a role that wasn't really a, a, a big role and, you know, become such a notable person that I have someone actually coming up and, you know, telling me that I did a great job. I mean, I could only imagine what I could do with, like, a big role. And now I would say is when I really decided to start pursuing acting and, you know, pretty much the rest is history after that. <laughs> so, yeah, the, that one little moment you think sparked off the whole, your whole fascination with it, uh, wanting to uh, entertain people? Well, I mean, I've always wanted to entertain people, but that was the moment where I actively decided that I wanted to keep on pursuing it. I mean, up to that point, it was always, you know, something I enjoyed to do, but I never, you know, I never really, I guess, took it seriously or tried to, you know, go forward with that idea. Yeah. Yeah. So did you do, um, did you, when you went into college, did you, did you continue with the acting and theater stuff there? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, in college I did a few, uh, a few plays. Um, and, uh, I also worked behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. Uh, one of the things that I, uh, I did was this, uh, uh, play called The Man Who Came to Dinner. And it was another another instance where uh, the guy who played the lead, I mean, he was he was good. He was very, and he was always at a certain level. And no one really kind of matched him with his intensity. Now I only had one scene with him, so I went in and I just gave him back the same intensity. Yeah. And I got a lot of you know you know um, accolades from other people who saw the performance about that. Cool. Yeah, I often hear, but I usually, I don't know if this is a, a common thing, but I've heard uh, on a couple different occasions, you know, all, acting groups always have like that one, uh, almost like that, that actor that's a little better, or think or makes themselves appear better than the other actors. And they, uh, was yours, did yours kind of have a bully aspect to them? I've heard that. I've heard that they're, they're, they're like bullies. That that, well, fig, that figure in the team is usually yeah. a bully. How about for your well, case? 
Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I know what you're talking about. And especially this is the case that I find in not only college, but also high school and pretty much any school based uh, performance arts is that, um, those in charge of supposedly teaching people, uh, teaching kids to, you know, act and all that, especially when it's, uh, based around, you know, high school level and college level, uh, those in charge of it uh, usually are lazy. And the thing is that they're like, okay, um, this guy is pretty good, uh, is, is really good in this role, so he's going to be the lead for all four years that he's there. Right. And then everyone else, they kind of, uh, you know, shuffle in and... I mean, I remember in college that there was um, an actress who, you know, was the female lead in, like, uh, the first uh, first two years. Mm-hmm. And she then graduated. And then, you know, the one that had always been kind of the second fiddle, then, you know, she was the lead for the next two years. And... It was always, it was very, uh, I mean, those in charge always seemed to pick those that they liked and kept them in the the main roles, whether they fit it or not, and everyone else had to fight for the smaller roles. Yeah, it's politics, you know? Yeah. Destroys everything. Yeah, unfortunately... Uh, I was never good at politics, and uh, so I was always one who had to uh, fight and struggle for the smaller roles. So with all all this fighting and struggling, I mean, did you, uh, I'm sure a lot was learned, but did you you enjoy doing doing the plays and the theater stuff, or not so much? Well, I mean, the thing is... um, it, it's one of those things when you go into um, uh, to audition for uh, for any plays uh, le- or, or movies. In my case, I always try to find out, you know, the different characters involved and and all that. And of course, I I position myself to try to get the character I think that would, you know, have the most fun with and also be the best suited for. Yeah. But, of course, in those kind of situations, you know, and if you're not a favorite, you usually never get those, you know, good, juicy roles. So what I started doing is that whenever I got the smaller, you know, uh, you know, throwaway characters, I would, like, build these elaborate backstories for these characters. Mm -hmm. And I would give them physical twitches. I would, you know, add different things to them. And for the most part, the directors either didn't notice or just didn't care. Uh, so it gave me the leeway to pretty much do whatever I wanted with that character. So, I mean, I had a lot of freedom, uh, but not a lot of, you know, mentorship. Yeah. Yeah. Would you, uh, would you return to the stage th- this, at this stage in the game? I, I mean, I would, I would honestly love to go back to the stage. Um, the only reason, to be perfectly honest, that I keep on pushing towards doing film and shorts and all that is not just because I do enjoy it, 
is because, I mean, in my situation, I mean, unfortunately, I can't focus 100% on what I want to do. I, I still have a 9 to 5 job that I have to do and I got yeah. other responsibilities. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, if you but I mean with theater um, there's so much more time and effort you have to put into it that's um, kind of holding down the, the steady job and especially if you want to do professional theater I don't see how you can do both of them especially with you know the um the hours and all that, and also being you know able to travel from one uh, state to another. If you're doing a a uh, theatrical performance, that's you know going from state to state. Doing a film is a lot easier because you can you know maneuver things around so you can shoot the scenes you need on days that you can get off. Did you find the live aspect thrilling or nerve wracking? Well, it's it's a combination of both. It's it's what what I love about about um, the live action over Doom film is the fact that you are constantly getting um, feedback. Right. I mean, when you're on, the, especially if you're doing a comedy and you say a, a funny line that you think is the funniest line ever. And then, you know, you, you hear them, you know, laughing or you hear them silence, which, you know, kind of tells you how the audience is taking either your character or the performance. So I kind of do miss that. Yeah. Well, maybe there'll be a big uh, return one day to the stage. You know? Maybe. I mean, it's, it's like everything. I'm always open to that um but it's it's like many things trying to figure out when when that's going to happen uh, especially with uh, the way my schedule is set up right now <laughs> so before we hop have in, you ever thought about just dropping your nine to five and pursuing the acting thing full time i've i've thought about that uh <laughs> every uh, on the on the, on the daily basis <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah, but I mean, it's one of those things that, um, unfortunately, I don't see that as a reality for me, because, I mean, to be perfectly honest, when you start looking into those who are able to, you know, not have their regular nights of five and just focus on acting, there's usually one or two things. One, they have uh, their parents or someone pretty much footing the majority of their regular bills, you know, so they can have a house, have food, and all that. Yeah. Or, you know, or they are able to find a job that is so open to them at the last minute, just, you know, calling up and saying, hey, you know, I know I'm scheduled uh, at 10 today, but I have an audition, I'm going to that. And then, you know, like, okay, and then they find someone else. Unfortunately, I haven't found a job that that's accommodating yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Before we hop into your career, I, I want to know what what type of films. I mean, what's some of your favorite films, and what type of films and filmmakers kind of influence 
you and what you, and, and the way you de you deliver what you do? Huh. Man, uh, that, that would take about, you know, 24 hours to go through all of that. <laughs> we'll take 24 seconds. And okay. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, uh, looking at um, uh, uh, films themselves, um, for an example, uh, One Flew Over Cuckoo's Nest. Classic. Okay? Yeah. Um, uh, I consider that one of um, my favorite films and one of the reasons that, you know, I really uh, decided to, that, you know, becoming an actor was actually a possibility was because, I mean, if you sit down and you watch that film, it's one of the few films I can think of that is filled with, you know, character actors. I mean, you don't, even Jack Nicholson isn't, you know, a, you know, stunning, you know, I mean, he's a decent-looking guy, but he is kind of odd-looking, too. Yeah, no, I hear you. Yeah, and, and the thing is, early on, I realized that I wasn't going to be, you know, the, um, you know, the good-looking hero or, you know, the, uh, the Brad Pitt or the Tom Cruise of the film. But, uh, but after watching that film... I, um, I really saw that, you know, there's so many other roles and characters that I could play that aren't the, the big, good-looking lead. And because of that, you know, I really thought, well, I might actually have a shot to, you know, make a career out of this. Yeah, you got, you got the likes, the, the great Brad Dourifs in there, Vincent Chavelli, mm. rest in peace, you know what I mean? You got DeVito himself all up in there. Uh, Michael Berryman's all in there. Who out of all those patients, you know, outside of uh, of course, you know, we'll take Jack Nicholson out of the mix. Out of all those patients, who was your favorite patient? My favorite patient, huh? Well, William Redfield did a great job. Hmm? You remember William Redfield? Is Harding? He did a great job. Yeah. He did a great job, too. Christopher Lloyd, your boy Christopher Lloyd. I almost forgot about that guy. How can you forget about Christopher Lloyd up in there? Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is that everyone did such a great job in that film. Yeah. Um, I have to say, uh, my, my favorite uh, ones I'd have to go with would be uh, Christopher Lloyd and Danny DeVito. Yeah. Because I'm... And it's funny because I did do a uh, theatrical production of that film, and I played Martini, which is yeah. Danny DeVito's character yeah. in the film. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that was, that was a good experience. But, I mean, I've always had kind of a soft spot for both Danny and also Christopher Lloyd for the simple fact that no matter how many and different characters that they play throughout the years, I always, there's always something about them that always, I always liked. I mean, I mean, Danny DeVito, for a perfect example, he always plays, you know, kind of a conniving, you know, uh, over-the-top uh, characters, and, and I love them. I, I, I love those characters, and, and Christopher Lloyd, you know, 
all his Hulu characters. I don't think there's a single Christopher Lloyd character he's played that I haven't liked. Yeah, legendary, legendary. What do you think of the, you th- the way that we look at these, you know, their their bodies of work and go, wow, iconic. You think it's just because we grew up with it, or you think that, like, you think other generations are going to look at people of their era like that, or do you think it was just that that era what was one of the good ones that, you know, that much that it'll just forever be known like that? I mean, that's that's a good question. I mean, I mean, the thing is that um, I don't even know if I can really answer that. You better. I mean, you better. <laughs> well, I mean, the thing is that you can always say that it's a bit of a nostalgia reason because, I mean, growing up with you know actors like Danny DeVito, Christopher Lloyd, yeah. watching them. Uh, that, you know, there's always going to be kind of a nostalgia feeling watching, you know, their performances. Yeah. But, um, but the thing is that there are other actors that have, you know, also played, you know, big and memorable roles in film that, you know, we also grew up with that, uh, that, you know, I, I might appreciate or might enjoy, but I don't have it as the same level of respect, I guess, yeah. as I do for those two actors. Yeah, I wanted to segue into the fact that you're a big fan of older cinema, which is something you don't quite see a lot of, which is unfortunate, you know, like, whenever I'm on set, and you meet a filmmaker or an actor or something that, like, is real gung-ho on that craft, it's good and it's nice to know that they you know, have a big selection of films in their mind, and even in their, in, in their you know, physical form at home, um, that they really kind of live that craft, you know what I mean? It's, I always find it weird when you find people, like I've talked to filmmakers before that couldn't tell you a filmmaker outside of Steven Spielberg and George Lucas, which is, I mean, I don't know, I can't knock it, I guess, because, you know, it is what it is. But um, I don't know. I just always felt like uh, you know, being a filmmaker or actor, you should be very well rounded, and you, almost like you should put yourself to school on the whole on cinema. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, I mean uh, in my case, of course, it's acting, but you know, in in other cases, it's uh, filmmaking. Uh, my, my opinion is simply that no matter what, uh, profession, whatever, you know, thing you love to do with you, uh, with your life, yeah. that if you want to do it well, you have to, you have to do research. You have to go back, you know, and I'm not talking about just 10 years or 20 years, but, you know, all the way back to the beginning. Uh, and, and, and there's, I mean, you'll get people that I talk to and like, Oh, I'm a huge, uh, huge movie fan. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm like, so have you seen, uh, Princess Bride? And they're like, uh, no, no, what's that? I'm like, oh, it's a movie from the 1980s. And they're like, wow, that's an old, old movie. And I just laugh because I'm like, you know, there, there's, there's movies from the 20s, there's right. movies from the 30s, 40s, 50s, there's a whole slew of movies that, and, and I also, I mean, I know I've had this conversation with you and other people that my opinion when it comes to something like movies 
I think it's one of the best art forms that really tell you not only what the director is trying to say or put forward, but also about the time period it's made in. Yeah. And the thing is, I think is very interesting. I mean, you get people who talk, uh, talk about uh, doing independent films like, like we, we do, and they're like, oh, you know, I, I can't do this you know, sci-fi movie because I don't have the money for these special effects I need for this flying saucer and all that. Yeah. And I'm like, have you ever seen Edward? Right. Have you seen Clyde Nine from Outer Space? I mean, it's... Well, I mean, you probably... I wouldn't send somebody to the, someone to those movies for learning anything, but I mean, yeah, I mean... Well, well... I, but, but I mean, what I'm trying to get at is, I I would put people towards that, yeah. um, to learn the fact that you don't need computers, you don't need you know great special effects. Yes, I mean it does look cheesy. It's not that great, but I think it's important for people to learn that you know putting these barriers in front of what you want to do. Um, is, you know, it's just you self-sabotaging like it. Practical, practical effects work just as well as CGI and, you know, yeah. all the bigger types of effects that bigger budget movies have. And, you know, people need to understand that not every single movie is going to be a big budget movie. Yeah, totally. I mean, um, as you say, uh, say I mean, with I mean, my biggest uh, thing is that I see, you know, CGI and and practical effects and all that as a tool. And the and the fact is that I think people have become quite lazy with, oh, I can just go in the computer and make, you know, you know, uh, you know, an elven town. And I'm like, you know, but for me as an actor. I, I'd rather, you know, be on set where there's actually walls and, you know, and props and things I'm actually physically touching instead of just a green screen behind me. And, I mean, I can work with either, but, I mean, I think that a lot of people, you know, are losing uh, the uh, fact that, I mean, I remember being a kid watching, you know, a, a horror film and being scared to death because of it and having nightmares because, you know, it seemed real, real enough. Yeah. But you look at, like, the CGI now and it's like, you know, it doesn't faze me. And and anyone who knows me, I am a chicken shit when it comes to horror movies. That's because, true. I mean, I, I can very easily, you know, uh, get, you know, very creeped out or, you know, scared by, you know, certain things. And with the practical effects, that that sold, you know, what was going on. I, I felt like it was actually happening, even if it wasn't as great or uh, as 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 you know seamless as you know maybe a CGI uh, rendition would have been. But I I think that if you want to sell something, that practical effects, actually physical props, physical locations. I think is a lot, uh, it, to me as an actor, it is, is helps me, you know, really get in touch with the character. 
No, I agree. I'm with you. What do you think, Mel? I agree too. Is he is he a respe- sounding like a respectable actor? Well, he's too boozy to talk to us these days, so he's boozy. <laughs> He's oh, go! Oh, come on! I, I'm, 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 I'm still the same old Alex. Well, how's that song go? I'm savage, bougie. My niece sings it. No, it's just, it's just good to, it's good to see you getting all these, getting into all these roles and so getting the love and the respect that you deserve because you really do work your ass off. I mean, your IMDb is starting to read like a book. <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, well, I mean, thank you. I mean, I, I mean, I keep on trying, but I, I mean, the big thing is, and what I, I always uh, tell people is that you know, that they, I mean, wherever you are in whatever level, uh, that you just keep on hustling. You keep on just talking to people, even if. There's someone that you you meet on set or you meet like online or something like that, and you might think that oh they that you know you might never end up working with them or anything like that. You know, talk to them because you know it's. I mean, for me, the connections I've made through you know social networking and also on 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 sets have led to these bigger projects that, you know, I would never have guessed that it would have led to. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that working on set with them is a lot different than, you know, just having that few minutes with them at a convention if they've been to any of the local conventions or any conventions for that matter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, I definitely enjoy going to the conventions. Um, I mean, the big thing for the conventions, I have to say, is... And being able to meet um, actors that pretty much uh, meet meet actors and, and people that I want to meet that I I probably won't meet you know until later on and I might actually miss because of you know people passing away. I mean, yeah. Stan Lee is a perfect example. I if I didn't meet him at that convention once, I would never have met him. Truth. Yeah, and. Well, I enjoy me, but I mean, they, they, like you said, I mean, there's nothing that's quite the same as, you know, getting to meet and talk to someone on sets who's an actor that you respect because, you know, you've come from the level of being a fan to a colleague. Yeah. And, uh, and that is, that is a big thing for me. And, uh, and like I said, I mean, I think that's, uh, I mean, probably one of the best experiences. Word up. Uh, what actors were the biggest influence on Alexander Hawk? <sighs> the actors that were the biggest influences. Cha, dude, cha. <laughs> well, um... Uh, one of the big ones I would have to say, uh, is the, uh, late, great Robin Williams. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, the main reason with him was the fact that, you know, he was able to do comedy, he was able to do drama, and he did both of them so seamlessly. Yeah. Uh, at least, uh, as far as I was concerned. 
that really, you know, brought me in and, you know, one of those actors that I, I always wanted to, you know, kind of emulate and use as a blueprint of what I would like to be, you know, in the future. Yeah, it's weird. So that was I was going to say, yeah, it's kind of like people don't talk about how great Robin Williams was at playing both sides of the coin like that, you know, with the dramatic and the comedy. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, yeah, I'm... Yeah, Robin Williams, um, also a big fan of uh, Tom Hanks, another one. And... Uh, and, and what I, I'm a fan of Tom Hanks is the fact that, you know, he always plays kind of the everyman. Yeah. Which I always consider myself as, is that, you know, you know an everyman in an abnormal situation, uh, which is, you know, the kind of stories I always like, when you have someone that you can believe that you could either be or that you can, you know, believe that you've met. And seeing them in this abnormal situation and seeing how they deal with it. What's your favorite Robin Williams film? <sighs> I would have to say it would be uh, Good Morning Vietnam. Okay, good one. And, yeah, because I, I mean, I thought that was the film that he really, uh, where he was able to do his humor perfectly, and also de uh, delve into the more serious aspect. In that case, it was war, which, you know, I really loved. Yeah. How do you think uh, how his choice of leaving the party will reflect on his career in the long run? <laughs> um, it's one of those things, I'm, and, and I think I've said this before, uh, where the way I see it is I like to detach the art from the artist. Well, you do, yeah. Yeah. And I, I know that, you know, I mean, unfortunately, I can't say much about Robin Williams, the person, because unfortunately I never met, met him or know all the, the stuff that he had to deal with. Right. Um... And I, I mean, selfishly, I wish he was still around because, I mean, meeting him would have been, you know, like the crowning achievement of my life. But, unfortunately, um, you know, he decided that what was happening to him, he couldn't, uh, he couldn't see himself dealing with and couldn't see putting his family through it. So he decided to, you know, um, do what he did. And, I mean, like I said, deep down, I wish that, you know, it didn't happen, but it has. Now, I mean, people, uh, if, if someone tries to say, oh, well, we can't enjoy or watch his films because of what he did, I think that within itself is, is the most selfish thing ever. Because I think that, no matter how someone ends up leaving the world, that we should, you know, kind of um, you know, embrace. Yeah, yeah. Still have 
respect for that person and embrace what they have left us because I mean what Robin Williams has left us as far as I'm concerned is the greatest gift that he could ever give humanity oh yeah peace uh, peace I don't think is a possibility but he, but he gave us laughter he gave us hope I mean, I mean, I know I was talking to Matt now too long ago where, I mean, if I feel down, I put on the Robin Williams film. If I feel like shit, I put on Robin Williams film. I mean, that's, and the thing is that, well, unfortunately, he couldn't find himself to keep on going. He left Oh, such a great body of work that I believe, you know, have helped so many other people through the same thing that he's, he went through. And in, you know, in hindsight, I like to think that he has helped people not go down the dark path that he went through because of the films that he made. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think that it will kind of affect his... I, don't, I feel it shouldn't, but I do feel that it will affect his kind of body of work and legacy, at least for a while, because I think of the nature of it's so dark that it's just kind of... You know, I think a lot of things, when they're really dark, whether it be a murder or a suicide, um, it's kind of like uh, out of sight, out of mind, let's not think about it. It's so dark that let's not think about it at all type deal. You know what I mean? So I think it's, yeah. I think I think he'll get a little bit of that treatment, which is unfortunate because yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, some of the some of his films are some of the best films, you know. Yeah, I support it. You know, I know that uh, if he if only he knew, if only Robin Williams knew that it, that that if that meeting Alexander Hawk would be the highlight of Alex Hawk's life, I think he would have stuck around for a couple. He would have stayed around for him. I, th- I think so for sure, you know. Uh, so I, I don't want to, I don't want to speculate, but I, I, I almost feel like not, we, we can blame Alexander Hawk for the death of Robin Williams at this point. I, uh, you know, I think it's very oh, selfish. But yeah, don't, don't put too much pressure on me. Don't, don't, don't just lay that all on me now. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think that, uh, I think that was a very selfish act on your behalf, Alex. I think the world could have gotten more, should have uh, deserves more Robin Williams films, but, you know, that's just me, I guess, I don't know. So I know uh, there's two other gentlemen that you're you're responsible for their deaths, and it's Abbott and Costello, I know you're big fans of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, um, the thing about Abbott Costello, which, you know, I mean, as, as you said, and which I've, I've said many times before, that, uh, I'm a huge fan of theirs because they're one of the few comedy teams that they did everything. They did, uh, burlesque. They did, um, you know, radio. They did TV. They did movies. Uh, they did vaudeville. They, and they were all over the place. And, and the thing is that not only did they have the physical comedy, but they had great wordplay. Yeah. And and they are another um, group of actors that, you know, and when I was growing up, you know, and one of the reasons why I know, you know, films from the 30s, the 40s, and, 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 and 20s and 30s was because 
when I was growing up, those were the films my parents watched. Right. Yeah, and and because of that, you know, I was introduced to you know Humphrey Bogart, uh, Catherine Hepburn, Spencer Tracy, Terry Grant, um, and and Abbott Costello. And and the thing is, I think that those who don't what was that again? It's the classic icons that people forget about. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I mean, the thing is that uh, they they were classics, and 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 and, and just you know, just had, and it, it's you remember the uh, the term the golden age of Hollywood. I mean. That was the golden age. I mean, back when, you know, you had, you know, elegant guys and, and gorgeous women, you know, that, you know, kind of, you know, you know, gave, gave something more to the, the film than just eye candy. They had, you know, great witty banter back and forth. They had, you know, I mean, they did, you know, they, they found ways to make great, um, Films, whether comedies or dramas, you know, without any great over-the-top uh, special effects or you know, like uh, set pieces. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, that's the thing that I think a lot of people miss is the fact that honestly, all you need is maybe two peoples and uh, two people in one room to make a great, uh, great film. And a lot of people, I don't think, you know, realize that you can do so much with, you know, the dialogue within itself. Yeah. Uh, you, you, co uh, you collect their memorabilia as well, right? Yeah. I mean, um, I have to admit, I've, I've kind of stopped because uh, I was uh, getting to spend a little too much. But, uh, yeah, yeah I, I collected, um, you know, um, a lobby cards of Abba Costello. And, uh, other posters. Because I really think that, you know, I, I mean, the two of them were such, such a great team that, you know, when unfortunately the IRS decided to destroy their, their lives, they never really, um, recovered after that. Yeah. Yeah, they're one of those. And th they're one of those mm -hmm. cases of the, the one of those cases of those like legends that died poor, right? Like the Stooges, like the Three Stooges type deal. Yeah, um, I they from my memory, I don't think they and uh, they definitely lost a lot of their films, uh, a lot of their money. Um, I don't know if they, I don't think they ended up as bad off as the Stooges. Um, but they definitely got, uh, they definitely lost a lot. Yeah, I, and, yeah, I got that wrong. And, I, got, I have my notes. That was, uh, Alexander Hawk died broke. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, Alexander Hawk died fucking the richest man. They buried him in a crown with jewels. <laughs> so let's get, we're, we're, we're like an hour in and we really haven't even hopped into your career much. So we'll, we'll, we'll cut that a little bit and we'll... You know, you kind of got your start in the acting world, I guess you can say, doing uh, some sketch comedy, right, with with the Bob Show. Yep, yep. Um, one of the earliest things that I did was 
there was a cable access show in Lowell. Um, I ended up showing up, and uh, it was called The Bob Show. And um, we did parodies of, you know, superheroes, of, you know, uh, reality TV. And actually, that was the place where I started to really, you know, um, practice my improv yeah. and stuff. How do you like the sketch world compared to, like, acting? I know it's a little different, right? Um, I enjoy uh, doing sketches, uh, but to be perfectly honest, I do prefer, you know, um, you know, more like feature films or short films or, you know, like TV series. I mean, sketches are fun and I had a lot of fun doing them, but after a while, I just, um, I don't know, just did it. You know, feel like I was getting uh, back as much as I, I was putting into it. Right. So, I mean, sketches are fun, but I mean, after a while, it just you know, it just kind of lost its you know fun for me. Well, that's I'm very sad to hear that. You know what I mean? It did bring upon one good thing, I guess, for you, which was the the directorial debut. Of Alexander Hawk, <laughs> folks, in 2011, the year that I, yes. the year that I actually met you, ain't that fun? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, on on the Bob Show was the only um, thing that actually I was allowed to direct. Well, that's nice. uh, that's it, nice yeah, it was uh, a sketch called Iron Mon, which of course anyone can guess. Was a parody on Iron Man. Is that Jamaican Iron Man? <laughs> that it's, it, it's, it's funny because um, we, uh, we were talking about it, me and, 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 and Bob and, and Rob and a few other people that I worked with on the show. Yeah. And they, they, the thing was, we were trying to think of a parody for Iron Man. And after a while, you know, they suggested Iron Man, and they were like, hey, Alex, how about you try a Jamaican accent? And I was like, dude, it wouldn't work. I mean, at that point, we agreed to go with the name, but we dropped the idea of the Jamaican accent. Hey, real, real quick, but, uh, real, quick hmm? real quick, is Iron Man a movie where Alexander Hawk is in blackface playing a Jamaican Iron Man and uh, it's going to be the end of his career one day? Is is that what we're talking about right now? No, no, no. I, I am glad to say that we did not do blackface. Uh, we didn't do anything like that. You kept it respectable. Uh, Thank you. I appreciate that. I was going to say, with everything going on right now, that would turn, probably turn around and bite you in the ass real would, quick, even though you're the nicest guy anybody could ever meet. I would lead the campaign on that. I would love. I would find the footage and, and get a still of you in blackface, and I'd say, <laughs> do you want this man climbing to the top of Hollywood? <laughs> yeah, well... <laughs> Well, to be uh, to be uh, perfectly honest, I mean, I'm sure there's something in my past someone's going to trudge up to use against me, but I'm happy to say that Blackface is not one of them. Uh, the Hawk, Hawk's a good man. There's only a few dead bodies in his past. And no, yeah, one, no one will yeah. ever find him because he, he eats the body when he's done with them, so it's okay. Yeah, and see, I, I believe in using all parts of those I, I destroy. No different than a dare, man. It's all good. 
As long as you it's eat, all good. as long as you eat everything and don't waste. Yeah, it's it's all for a power source for your body. It's all right, 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 Alex, right? Right. I totally agree. Convince me. Yeah, we're good. All right. <laughs> uh, Mad Mel, do you have any uh, questions about the, the career of Alexander Hawk thus far? Um. Not really. I'm just kind of like jealous that he's got to work with Sarah and you know Richard Grieco and yeah, we'll get to those. Like, we'll get to those films and we're, we're gonna cruise through his whole career. Yeah, the Hawkman <coughs> has got to work with some cool people. Um, yeah, definitely. It's kind of a little. It's kind of a little intimidating. Well, when <laughs> now I, I'm not gonna know how to talk to you anymore. <laughs> well, when oh I, yeah. come on! I'm still the same person. Don't worry about that. Well, when oh, I, I know. I gotta tease you though, because it wouldn't be us if it, if we didn't. That's true. That's true. Well, when I say I'm proud of the Hawkman, I don't even I don't mean that with no no tongue in cheek at all. I mean the Hawkman, he's been clapping. oh no, it's, it's it's all genuine love. Love big time. Hawk knows I love him. It's, he's been climbing for for a long time, and he's achieving heights, which is great, and uh, it's good to see. You know what I mean? It's a, it's, it's nice to watch his rise to fame. Ab- like a fucking muffin in the oven. It's nice. <laughs> I dig it. <laughs> Um, well, you can, you can definitely. Alex just have muffin top. <laughs> I was going I was going to say that that I definitely do have the muffin top for the uh, rising of the muffin. I dig it. So yeah, so the Hawkman, you, you know, you've been you've been how long? How many years you've been in like the community acting? Um, I would say filming wise since two thousand seven. Okay, and I met you in 2012, I think, right? Yeah, I think uh, so, 2012. Sounds about right. Yeah, I met, met, I met, I met Alexander the Hawk uh, looking for uh, the, char- uh, the Wesley Kalinske character in DJ Stan the Man. I believe we met at a premiere uh, when we, we were screening uh, Mr. Sharn is off for the first time. I think is the first time I met Alexander. Um, and, then, and it was love at first and sight. It was love at first sight. Yeah, and um, I remember when I was looking for the. the, I, the yeah, you got a question, Mel? I'm sitting here trying to remember the first time I met Alex. I'm not sure if it was at Rock and Shock or on set that time when we uh, filmed that Sasquatch thing. I'd probably say Rock and Shock. Yes, yes, I think, yeah, Ron, I know that I definitely knew you before we did the Sasquatch thing. Yeah, and me and Ron, Yeah, because we were still fairly, a fairly new friendship budding there. We've been, yeah. yeah, we've been rolling the Rock and Shock together for like, what, six years, seven years before it passed away, I think, the last Yeah. Year. So like, yeah, so I'm sure you met him there, because I met you for the first time at Rock and Shock. Oh, well, yeah, That's it was pretty much how I met all of you guys was at Rockin' Shock. It might not have been that year, though, because that year I was with uh, with Billy doing the full moon booth. So, like, I don't know, Hawk, did you come no, down? No, I, I think I want to say or? it was in, like, maybe two thousand. It was 2017 that I met him then at Rockin' Shock when Billy had a booth there. Um, oh, that was first. the... I don't think I was there that year. That I think that was the year... No, you did go there that year. Okay. You weren't. You didn't go the whole weekend. You showed up like one day that weekend, and I think you were with. I want to say you were with Maggot and Hawk that day. That was a. I want to say a. Seventeen's the year I got sick. I believe. 
I had that little sickness thing. Yeah. Yeah, but I know I know right after that year Rock and Shock is when we did the whole Sasquatch thing. So maybe it might have even been yeah. 2006. No, it wasn't 2016 because I, I didn't go that year. That was the year my mom passed away. So I, it was like 2017, somewhere in that period of time. So, you know, we've got a few years going. What, what was your first impression of the Alexander the Hawk? When he what was, was that again? What was your, for, for Mel, what was the first question? What was, <laughs> what was the first impression of Alexander the Hawk when he when he first came over and said hi I'm Alex and you had to ask him to remove his hands from your body did you <laughs> what was uh no 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 Hawk's a, Hawk's a gentleman well but after what, he was done oh after he was done pulling a Harvey Weinstein oh um, <laughs> he is a studio executive hey, hey it's not my fault my hands have minds of their own they they go without me even thinking you shouldn't even joke idle like hands do the devil's work. <laughs> Let me do the joke and don't do anything that could, you know, falsely, you know, incriminate yourself in the future. Set yourself up because you don't do stuff like that. So the last thing you want is you play, yes. play in the game. <clears throat> I'm playing. Everybody, nobody takes me for reality, Holmes. Um, but yeah. Oh, I know. Because God forbid a person try to have a, you know, sense of humor and when talking about issues in the news these days. Not on, yeah. not on shock treatment. We won't have no sense of humor on shock treatment. It ain't. That's no allowed. So we met. So I meet. I meet. So we all met the hawk, and we our lives were improved for the better on those days. Um, yeah, most definitely. I did. So do you, do you remember? Do you have? Did you remember if you had even had a first impression of Alexander when you first met him? Actually, I the, the first time I met Alex. He was really quiet. It was like it was like pulling teeth trying to get him to talk at first when I first met him. He's a true artist. That's what it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. But then now that you know we've gotten to know one another better, you can't shut the guy up, which is a good thing. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, the thing is, what I, I, I try to do is, especially when I'm first meeting people, I try to observe and figure out this situation first because um, I, I learned early on that if I jump in with both feet, I end up in quicksand and I can't pull myself out. I'll also, I hear you. I'll say as someone that used to be shy myself a lot, uh, you you come to realize like in a, in a when you're doing something you want to do like filmmaking, something I wanted to do, I knew that I couldn't be shy, you know, to, to, to pursue that. So I think, like, the more in hot care you to pursue in acting, you can't be shy. you got to be networking and, you know, out there talking and meeting with people. So I think that's that's a big part of it, that even people that, you know, might have been, I think probably a lot of artists would probably say the same thing, you know, um, that were, like, really quiet when they were younger, probably had to tone it up, had to turn up the volume, pump up the jam. Um, I'm right. the volume, to, okay. uh, to, 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 you know, do their deal. Um, but so yeah, but yeah, the, yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah, you, you, you've come a long way, Hawk. It's a good thing. It's very nice, very nice for you. Very nice, very nice. So uh, I meet the Hawk. I think in 2012, 2011, 2012, he's casted in the, the film DJ Stan the Man, and that changes his life forever, right, Hawk? 
my life never was the same after after that moment. Uh, I met my brother from a different mother. We were separated at birth, but we found each other again. Best moment of my life. No more drinking the juice out of a tuna fish can and calling it a meal. You are now in the high life. You are now making, you know, <laughs> a lot of money, uh, a gigantic portion of green moolah, you know what I mean? This is when groupies entered the, the, the world of Alexander Hawk. You know, we had a couple issues with, you know, we had so much money flying around, you didn't get an accountant, you know, so we had some IRS issues for a little bit back then, but we got that all straightened out, and now he lives a modest, happy life, you know what I mean? He's still got a good yeah. chunk of his, his, his uh, but he all, he then, uh, you know, after that he did, later did another boombastic film called Groundhog, which was a big payday for him, and I don't think uh, his bloodline will ever have to worry about money after making the Groundhog film. Oh, yeah. I mean, as we always say, it's all about the groundhog money. So, um, you know, uh, what other what other films have you done outside of the, 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 the world of Boombastic? I think everybody that kind of would know Alexander, I assume, would know that he's got a big hand in the Boombastic uh, Corporation. <laughs> and um, what I, within your body of work from your past... You know, we kind of skipped over a lot of kind of under local underground films or whatever you've done, and we're gonna, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll work our way into some of the newer stuff. But is there anything you want to talk about from the past that you did that you were, you know, you wanted to really uh, make note? Um, where, that's where, a good question. I mean, I even have to, you know, do a little bit of uh, checking it. on that. <laughs> well, there's this film right here I see called Insomniac. That sounds very cool. Uh, people should probably check it out. You did a lot of the UK segments too, which was nice. Yeah. You know, what'd you think? Uh, what would you think of that whole thing uh, that that brought Alexander Hawk uh, across the world? You know, Heck yeah, made him a household name. Uh, you know, in, in, in the other countries, um, that the you consider that another step, another notch on your belt. You know, the fact that uh, you are now being seen uh, in other countries other than your own. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's nice to, you know, know that, you know, something I've been in uh, has, you know, come across the pond and, and is, is seen in other, other countries. I mean, it's, I mean, I, I always wanted to, I mean, as, as things progress, I hope I get more stuff out there so I can, like, start going to, like, England or, you know, uh, other other locations, uh, other countries, and you know, checking out, and hopefully, you know, get get myself out there because I mean, I I would I mean, well, I'd be the first one to admit that I stink at languages, and 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 all that. I I would think it would be awesome to you know or play like an American in like a Russian movie or cool. you know or a Chinese movie or. Uh, uh, something like that. I think that would be cool. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You were in the award-winning short film "Bullied" by Nick Charles, huh? Very nice. Yes, yes, I was. I was, I was in that uh, short. That was. Uh, it was a uh, fun experience. I want to say you won an award for for the first ever uh, Alexander Hawk Award. I wanted to bring up. Yeah, how, what's it like to have an award named after you, and how'd that come about? <laughs> well, actually, I have to say, I mean, um, 
it was it was a great uh, great honor. I mean, it's the first time I've ever had an award named after me, and uh, and I have to say, I mean, I, I tip my hat to Neil Jones, uh, great uh, who who was the one who did uh, the Silver Film Festival um, online, uh, which you know he just finished his second uh, second uh, round of that. Past uh, but, uh, it got, uh, I think I, uh, he, he named the award because, uh, the first time we did, I was in like four or five of the shorts. Yeah. And, and while we were watching it, he was joking around about maybe he should change the name of the festival to the Alexander Hawk Festival because I was in so many shorts and it kept them popping up. I like and, uh, yeah, and, and he thought, you know, uh, to, you know, and also, I have the um, recognition of being the uh, only one that an award was named after in that festival that is still alive. Well, I got some bad news for you, Alex. <laughs> bad news that uh, Neil is out there with a shotgun. He's going to uh, make me one of uh, one of the family. I talked to your doctor this evening, and <laughs> that's cool, though. Yeah, Neil's a good man. He's a yeah, a past uh, past guest and 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 gentleman extraordinaire. We love Neil, and uh, without your head over there, they're good folks. And Neil, oh yeah, you know, Troy and I think Trista is the new, the new girl he's working with over there. I could be wrong. I apologize if I'm wrong. Um, but yeah, it was it was good to see. It was fun. You've had a good year this year, you know, with the with the, you know traveling out to different states to do flicks and that award being named after you. Yeah, you know, you're doing doing it big. I like to do that. Uh, speaking of people doing it big in the underworld, uh, Mr. James Balsamo, big friend uh, of the show and in real life, and um, you know, you've done a few pictures with that gentleman so far. You know, so how'd you get uh, how'd you get in contact with James Balsamo and involved in his films? Well, well, for for that you have to go back to the deep dark recesses of of my life. Oh. It was a time when I was on the streets, and oh no, sorry, that was a, that's a different story. Uh, Yikes! <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, James uh, came down here to uh, play a role in uh, the movie Groundhog, which we talked about. Directed by David McDonough. Yep, directed by David uh, McDonough. You could own and, it. You could uh, own it on DVD today. Mm? You could own it on DVD today from Boombastic Films. Yep, you can own it for a whole ten dollars. Uh, the best deal you'll ever get. It's a good group of guys over there. So uh, continue what you were saying. Yeah, so I met James on uh, on Groundhog, and uh, I, I've. Uh, and of course, we uh, we see him and, and uh, I'm bumping into him at conventions. And uh, uh, let's see, I think uh, let's see. The first thing I did with him actually was a film called uh, Hollywood Werewolf, which is uh, still in pre-production. Yeah. Um. Uh, we were talking, and he asked me if I wanted to uh, shoot a cameo for that. So I did. And, um, after that, he really liked it. He hit me up for two of his other films. Uh, one was, uh, let's see, uh, uh, The Blood Within, or, let's see, 
what is the name of that? Uh, sorry about that. Yeah, no worries, man. I'm trying, trying. It wants blood. It wants That's blood, the name yeah. I was trying to find. The great Eric uh, Roberts. Yeah. The great Eric uh, Roberts is in there. Hmm? The great Eric Roberts is in there. Yes, yes. Um, we both got a chance the, to work with Eric on the house across the street. Yes, that was a great experience. That was um, not too long after I started working on DJ with Matt. Yes. And um, Matt went on to work on that. Uh, I PA'd for, I think, uh, a weekend. I got a chance to uh, uh, PA on, on a uh, set with some big stars, so that was a good experience for me. That was fun. For sure. And, uh, but like I said, with James, uh, I was part of It Wants Blood and also did one for uh, Bike School 2, which uh, he's currently filming also. Yes, yes. Yeah, I love James's movies. They're so fun, you know what I mean? He's kind of like... I, I, I look at it, there's like Roger Corman, there's Lloyd Kaufman, there's James Balsamo. I kind of put it, there should be like a, a t-shirt. Uh, Those two had a baby made. and James Balsamo was it. Yeah, there should be some type of t-shirt made or something for him. But uh, yeah, anybody out there who had isn't down or isn't familiar with uh, James Balsamo and Acid Bath Productions... Uh, go check out him and his films. There are a lot of good times. He He's uh, the hardest working man in show business, uh, at least in underground filmmaking. He, you know, he's always working on something, banging out films. And, you know, before COVID came to town, he was everywhere. He was in your town. He was probably playing your, you know, performing, uh, having a booth in your backyard at a cookout or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, he's he's probably at the door knocking on it to you know take your daughter out uh, to the pep rally. He's a good guy like that, but he won't go. He won't uh, go all the way. He'll just go to third base. He's a very, <laughs> he's, a very, he's a very good man. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, Jimmy Bilsamo, that's good. So uh, you know, next up is we, we'll talk about you know you you've had a like I was talking about your busy busy year i guess we could kind of throw 2019 into it a little bit you know uh you got uh you started working with, with the mahal brothers um yep you know which was nice i guess no it's all two twenty. you know to be re released this year you know you got attack of the unknown you got bridge of the doomed coming out yeah you know you were just down there for bloodthirst i know they're involved uh get, let's, uh, give us a, give us a rundown real quick uh, and talk a little bit about Attack of the Unknown and how that came about and uh, what it was like working on that. We'll talk and then we'll we'll we'll, we'll jump into uh, Lloyd after. Okay. Um. Yeah. Uh, Attack of the Unknown. Um. It's one of those things that uh, networking on Facebook and all that. Yeah. I saw that. Um, uh, this project was coming up, and uh, I reached out and uh, sent in my resume uh, and sent in a, a video clip of myself, my demo tape, and um, they reached back to me. Uh, they said they had a small role of a, a prisoner uh, that you know they thought I could uh, fit. And I was like, okay, cool. And, uh, that was actually shot in California. That's, I think, the first time I went to California. And, uh, I, I flew out there. Uh, that was, uh, a great experience. Got yeah, to work with a lot of great people. 
and it was the first time I got to uh, work with uh, the Mahal brothers, which, you know, they, one thing I have to say uh, that that's great, they uh, make sure that the set is friendly, it's a lot of fun, and um, they also give you the opportunity to, you know, improv or modify lines, you know, to make it even better than what's already written on the script. As a little as a little boy from Massachusetts wanting to be an actor, what's it feel like going to California to act in a movie? It it feels good. It's it's a good uh, pat on the back. I mean, uh, it's it's one of those things that uh, I mean, I've always wanted to uh, go to California to you know be in the middle of you know. Hollywood and, 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 you know, be a part of films, get to work with actors that I've grown up loving and, uh, and admiring. And, you know, it, it was, it was a great experience. I really was, uh, I was, uh, really happy, uh, with my time there. And that's why, you know, I, you know, I ended up uh, working with them on Bridge of the Doomed and, uh, recently, uh, Bloodthirst. Well, ju- jumping ahead, you know, Attack of the Unknown, directed by Brandon Slagle, who's, uh, you know, he's been an uh, underground filmmaker that's been doing it since, like, the early 2000s. So, you know, that's cool. It's good to see, you know, you get a chance to work with uh, him's cool. You know what I mean? No, that's nice. Oh, yeah. Working, you know, it's cool. You know, I, I often tell, when I talk to the Hawk about this, I say it's cool that you're getting to work with, like, you know... We'll later talk about Lloyd and things, yeah, but like, you know, but directors that like, uh, you know, got little bodies of work behind them that people know about, you know, it's good to kind of hit that realm, you know what I mean, but yeah, uh, Attack of the Unknown, so that's coming out soon, probably, right? Uh, yeah, Attack of the Unknown is to come out on August 28th of uh, this year, um... It's uh, supposed to hit some uh, VOD platforms. It's supposed to hit some theaters, probably uh, drive-ins, because those are the only ones uh, allowed to uh, host any films at this point. Yeah. Um, and, of course, later it's going to also be on DVD. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, a, it was a great experience working with uh, Brandon and... Uh, and like uh, like you said, Matt. I mean, it's it's great to get a chance to work with people who have been doing this for a while and have you know great body of work. And uh, I mean, I just love the that I had the opportunity to you know leave Mass for a while to you know go to California and get to work on that project. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it's got a lot of a fun cast too. You know, it's got Tara Reed's, uh as well. You know, Robert Lozardo, Richard Greco. Uh, this is the one that Mel brought up earlier. I think you know what I mean. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Next, uh, Bridge of the Doomed. Yeah, uh, that should yeah. be coming out pretty soon too, right? Um. Yeah. Uh, when I talk to them, it's not a specific date yet, but they are planning on having it out in October. Of this year. And this was the first one you were part of that was shot in Vegas? Uh, yeah, that was the first one that was shot in Vegas. Yeah. And um, it was actually shot in this extremely, you know, two-hour drive from the Strip. 
in a small little uh, community called Caliente. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's it's funny. It probably is the only place that has the last radio shack known to man. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, it was it was great because I got the chance to actually have a scene with Robert, and uh, that was a lot of fun. And uh, and uh, Sarah French, uh, which we talked about earlier, also had a, a role in that. Uh, uh, her scenes and my scenes didn't uh, match up uh, for that film. Yeah. But uh, she also was a part of that film. And this was uh, your first film working with Michael Sue, who he, he later brought you back on to do the new Bloodthirst movie. Um, uh, yeah, that's it, true. What's it like working with him? Michael Sue is, 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 uh, is a lot of fun. Um, I think the thing that uh, really is great working with Michael Sue Mm-hmm. Is the fact that um, he's a uh, he's a cinematographer first, and uh, and and a director second, uh, in my opinion, which is a great combination. Yeah. Because uh, when he's saying uh, he knows exactly how he wants everything to to see, and and while he has people who you know um, follow his directions and hold the uh, because they, uh, he usually has like a two camera setup. Uh, but, you know, I mean, as as you know, Matt, as as being a director, when you have a DP on set, sometimes it's hard trying to convey exactly what you want the DP to do for you. Yeah. And in in his case, he already knows exactly what he wants to do. I mean, there's a p- point in uh, Bloodthirst where uh, he wanted a you know a kind of downward shot and. Uh, my character and a few others are standing in front of this big uh, truck, and he just, you know, climbs up there with the camera, gets on top to get the downward point of view shot that he wanted. Yeah. And, you know, instead of uh, trying to explain it to someone, he just, you know, he's, he just does it. It's the best way to do it, you know what I mean? Well, yeah, so, I mean, Michael Sue's a great guy. Um, a lot of fun to work with, and when something in the scene doesn't gel with, you know, how we see our characters or the situation, yeah. he's always open to, you know, uh, modify it to make it work. I think a good director is, you know, you got to kind of go yeah. with the flow. Things happen, you know. There's nothing you can do about it. If you're dealing with a movie, you're making a movie for fifty bucks, or you're making a movie for five hundred million dollars. Things happen that are going to change uh, the route of what what you're trying to do. It, it's just the way it is. Yeah. But going from some of those underground folks to uh, maybe a more well known, legendary underground filmmaker, a uh, great guy too, uh, someone who um, has done more for um, this is this could be a little controversial because certain people will disagree, but. Well, someone I feel has done more for uh, underground filmmakers than anybody, at least of our our like era. You know what I mean? Um, you know, a Corman. To go back to the Corman, you know, comparison. I, th- you know, Corman gave a lot of people uh, their first jobs and careers and such. And uh, uh, Mr. Lloyd Kaufman's no different. You know, you could look at folks like an Eli Roth or even you know the you know. 
uh, you know, the South Park dudes, Trey Parker and Matt Stone, um, you know what I mean? Uh, you can even, a gentleman that you worked with on the, on the new film, Shitstorm, you know what I mean? Um, Zach, you know, Zach Amico even, you know, he's kind of, you know, in the comedy world, he's kind of doing a big right now, um, in the podcasting world, you know what I mean? Which is cool. Um, you know what I mean? But yeah, Lloyd Kaufman, you know, uh, you got to appear in Shakespeare's Shitstorm, you know, how, how'd that come about? And, uh, Tell us a little bit about that. What it was. All like. right. Um, I think um, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but from my memory, yeah. um, I think it was you who uh, oh. saw the casting call first. Yeah. Yeah, and you uh, told me about that. I believe. Yeah, my take. I think I do a little acting, not a lot, but my take, my opinion uh, through an actor's point of view is I'd assume if you were going to act, you would want to try and be able to work with any notable uh, or, or, or legendary director that you could work with, you know what I mean? Like, look at your your body of work and go, well, that was the movie I did with so-and-so or that yeah, I did with so-and-so. And uh, Lloyd is is a legend in his own right, you know what I mean? So um, I, I thought that would be a great thing for you to do because, like, you can say you were, as an actor, you were directed by Lloyd Kaufman, which is, you know, he's made his mark in film. There's no doubt about that. You can say that it it's a shit stain. Uh, you, you, know, you know what I mean? You can say it's whatever, but he's made his mark and. You know, I, I definitely have nothing but love and respect for Lloyd, and I know Mel and, and Alex do too. So I uh, wasn't trying to give hard times, but you know, it's one of those things. But so yeah, like when that when that opportunity came about, I said, you know, that'd be perfect. You know, perfect opportunity for the Hawkman. But I'm, yeah, uh, you and know, uh, uh, you told me about I I sent in an uh, audition tape, and uh, you know he hit me up. I auditioned for one of the roles. Yeah. Um, and then uh, he you know, contacted me, asked me to come down, and uh, I went down for, I think it was a week. I think it was a week I was down there. Um, it, was a, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I mean, getting to see Lloyd working on sets um, was, was, uh, was a great experience. It was uh, great seeing him and everyone, you know, building this, you know, Crazy, over the top, you know, mind blowing uh, film. It was it was really a, a, a big uh, learning experience for me. It is an experience. I think I told you that. I said, you know, the, the, the sets are known to be, you know, a little a little a little rough at times. But I think you'll you'll go through it. It'll be like boot camp, and you'll be happy you did it when you're done with it. You know what I mean? Like years from now, even even. You know, less than years, minutes from 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 after shooting it. Uh, you know what I mean? Seconds. I said I, I had a feeling. I said you're gonna be happy to look back on it and see that on your you know resume and know that you you know that you got to work with it would be cool. Lloyd's getting up there, and uh, I hope that Lloyd never passes. But every now and then, people do. So you know, it's one of them things. I've worked with worked with Lloyd a few times, and you know, it's always I've always had a great experience with them. But yeah, knowing. You know, you watch the docs for anybody out there who's a trauma fan. You know, you just watch the docs on your DVDs and Blu-rays. You can get an idea of how how the set can be. So, like, you know, you got it's a little rough, and um, 
It is like going through like a film boot camp, and uh, like I told the Hawkman, I said it might be a little rough, but I think you'll be happy that you did it. And are you happy at this point that you did it, or are you still gonna wait to see it? Well, I mean, I'm definitely uh, happy that I, I went through the experience and then being a part of it. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's like everything. I mean, um, I can't wait to see it uh, for the simple fact to see how. Because, I mean, as an actor, and, and you can attest also as a director, that, you know, you, you go in, you do a bunch of scenes, and, you know, you in your mind already have an idea how you want it, you know, how you think it should be cut up, and then, you know, as you're either cutting it up, or in my case, waiting till it gets cut up, uh, you don't know how it's going to look till the end, and you're just curious, because in your mind, you already have... Now, how you would put everything together. And, of course, you know what the way you see it and how the director or the editor see it is going to end up probably being different. Yeah. So, I mean, I just can't wait till you know, it's out on DVD so I can get a copy and, and check it out. You also got to work with the great Doug Sackman, which was nice. Le- legendary. Oh, yeah. Legendary in the trauma world, you know. Yeah, yeah Doug, Doug was a great guy. Um, uh, Doug and Zach really were kind of like um, Lloyd's, um, uh, you know, uh, I would say uh, right and left-hand men on, on set. They, I mean, honestly, I think it, it went uh, very smoothly because those two, you know, were in charge of trying to get everything going. Because, I mean, Lloyd also, while he was the director, he was also um, acting in it. So anyone who's, who's ever tried to juggle both both things at the same time knows it's not an easy task to do. Well, speaking of that, I know I know a gentleman that's on the other side of the line with us right now named Alex Hawk that just started directing and acting um, in projects uh, heavily. You know, returning to uh, rather, uh, uh, Iron Man was the debut, as we talked about before. But you, you've been doing some uh, some writing, directing, and acting, uh, producing of, of your own shorts recently. You want to talk a little bit about those the two new shorts you just did? Oh, uh, sure. Um, it's it's one of those things since you know um, uh, COVID has happened. It's given me a lot of time to. Uh, to, you know, play around with different things. Um, first short that I did actually was a two-minute short, mm-hmm. and it's actually going to go back to someone we mentioned earlier, a uh, Mr. Roger Corman. Yeah. Uh, because uh, Roger Corman had a, a a little festival competition thing where it was, uh, I forget the name of it off the top of my head, but it was kind of, you know, Make a two-minute short um, within your house, not breaking quarantine. Yeah. And, uh, and you put it up on Twitter, you put the hashtag, and, you know, uh, if uh, you liked it, uh, whatever, you, you know, you, you get the, uh, get the uh, prize. Um, unfortunately, I did not win, mm. but uh, I did have a lot of fun making it. It was called Acceptance. And um, it was uh, starred, starred, directed, and written by me. Yeah. 
Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, it was actually also shown on the Severed Film Festival um, a watch party. Uh, that uh, the first one that came out. It sure was. It sure was. Yeah. And um, I also did another one, which uh, was called Essential Employee, which, you know, kind of, um, I took shots of me at work and shots of, of uh, me doing my job. And uh, and at the end, I had, I had a monologue where, I pretty much talked about uh, the way I felt the situation and the the um, you know the title the the uh, title of essential employee how how I felt that those who found themselves in that position uh, were being treated and I did that um, that was more like maybe ten to fifteen minutes I think. And uh, that was also uh, showcased on the um, second Severed Film Festival uh, um, uh, watch party. And uh, I got a lot of, you know, a lot of people seemed to like it. They thought it was really well done. Of course, a lot of credit has to go to this man, Mr. Matthew Fisher, because he gave me a great score for the film. Well, that was very nice of him. Uh, You have a team of people you work with? When you make films, uh, as a director, yeah. What, what, what do you? My do? team uh, usually uh, consists of uh, Mr. Matthew Fisher, oh. Mr. Buddy Butterfuco, oh, good guy, and uh, and myself. And occasionally, you know, I'm I'm able to bring in other people. Yeah. Do they have a name? When when their powers um, combine. When their powers combine, is, does Captain Planet come out, or does like a logo for a film company pop up? Yes, yes. When our powers combine, here comes Captain Boombastic Films. Woo! Woo! I wish I had poppers. <laughs> There's like, a name drop. I wish I had those little <laughs> popper things to shoot off. That was nice. That was very good. Um. So, um, let me see here. And so he's directing now, and, uh, you know, it's the error of, um, speaking of boombastic films and such, uh, you're also, mm-hmm. you're also a part of a, a, a vidcast, a podcast, if you will, uh, tell us, a, it's called the Boombasticast, Can you tell us a little bit about that, I'm very interested. <laughs> well, yes, uh, there's a little podcast that I do with, uh, another gentleman named, uh, Mr. Matthew Fisher. Yeah. Called the Boombastic Cast, where uh, we just uh, talk and dissect uh, films, um, you know, films that we like, films that we don't. Uh, we talk about, I mean, my favorite segment that we do is called 10 AD, which is called, uh, which means uh, 10 uh, after death. And it refers to what we consider the Ten best performances of an actor who has passed away. Ooh, I like that. That's pretty good. We've already done uh, Mr. Robin Williams, as we already talked about. Uh, But we also did uh, Mr. Leslie Nielsen. Mm. Oh, you got to meet Leslie Nielsen, right? You want to tell that story real quick? Yeah. um, 
and that's another uh, uh, reason, as I was talking about earlier, about, you know, going to conventions. Uh, Leslie Nielsen, I met at a convention. Um, I was able to talk to him for a little bit. Uh, it was a TV series that he showed up uh, in a reoccurring role uh, called Due South. And uh, he and I talked a little bit about it. Uh, he actually told me that his father uh, was a Mountie. And um, the uh, TV series was about a uh, Canadian Mountie that came down to Chicago to work with a Chicago cop. And it was interesting, you know, talking to him about that. And, uh, and I was happy because of, you know, being able to be at that convention that I was able to meet him. Uh, because, uh, unfortunately, he did pass away, I think, a year after I met him at that convention. That sucks, yeah. Legendary. The Naked Gun, oh, yeah. Creep Show, so many great things. Airplane, so many great, great things, you know. Yeah. I've always been jealous you got to meet him, and I never, I didn't get a chance to meet him. Well, when, when I get my time machine working, uh, we'll go back and we, uh, we'll meet him. So uh, speaking of you know favorite times, what 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 look looking back in your career, so, do, so what are, what are your favorite slash some of the most important films of your career thus far that you've done? Do you have any like milestone careers or anything like that? A, a film milestone films in your career? Well, I mean, there are films in my career so far that I consider are uh, very important to me. Yeah. Um. I don't know about uh, any milestones yet. Um, I mean, for me, the the biggest ones right now, I would say, first would be foremost uh, DJ Stan the Man. Oh, why so? Why? Uh, for the the main uh, focus is because I got to work with you, Matt. Well, thanks, buddy. Because, I mean, for me, I mean, because of working on DJ, not only was it a great character and a great experience and at the end a great film I was a part of, I also ended up uh, making a, uh, a true friend out of it. That's true. That's true. Now I'm crying. And the, uh, and the unfortunately thing is the damn bastard stuck with me till we die, so. I'm like a disease, yo. I am a disease, man, and you got me. Uh, we're both the sickness. It's all right. Mel, how you doing over there? Did we kill you with our sickness? Oh, no. I'm just listening and enjoying the conversation because I'm learning more about the both of you. Hell, yeah. <laughs> Word to the motherfucker. So, um, <laughs> you got any, do you have any, uh, are there any other film? what What other films are on your, when you, do you think, think, I guess, high of, I guess? I don't know. <laughs> Well, honestly, um, I would have to say, I mean, like I said, um, EJ, uh, there's only two other films I, I kind of put as, you know, big things so far in my career. Yeah. Uh, one would be, uh, of course, um, uh, Shakespeare Shitstorm yeah. for the fact that I got to, because that was the first time I actually had left New England to pursue a film. Uh, that was, you know, outside of New England, and I got to work with a, a director that, you know, I respected and uh, and I always wanted to be, you know, uh, uh, wanted to work with. Yeah. 
And uh, the next one would actually have to be uh, Bloodfest that I just did. Yeah. Um, and, the, and the fact of Bloodfest is for the fact that not only is it another uh, film that, you know, I, I went out of New England to be a part of, but it also so far has been the biggest role I've had in, in, a, uh, in a film that, you know, has a distribution um, already set in place. Right. And also because the role I was originally given was, you know, you know, kind of small, you know, but because of being there for a few extra days, I was able to be in more scenes. Mm -hmm. And so my role has kind of grown uh, bigger than it was uh, supposed to be. And uh, and that's why I, I consider it another great. So I would say those three films are probably my top films at this point. I dig it. What advice would you give to any uh, actor on the come up? You know that, that or people that you know try and want to pursue the craft. Well, um, the thing is, uh, first of all, as far as I'm concerned, is if you. I uh, think about being an actor, you have to, in my opinion, you have to have, like, a lot of passion for it. Yeah. I mean, if you can wake up and say, you know, I would like to act, but I would also like to paint, or I like to, you know, play soccer, or, or something else, I would say, you know, pursue those instead, because acting... You gotta be willing to take a lot of hits, a lot of rejection, a lot of people telling you that you're useless and worthless. Yeah, it's tough. And it's tough, but I'm, I'm, I've gone to points in my life where, you know, I ask myself, why am I doing this? Why am I putting myself through all this crap of, you know, being part of things and then people tell me, well, you know what, you suck in that. Or that film... You know, you put so much effort in, that's not going anywhere. I mean, it's it's a lot of uh, stress, I would say, you put on to yourself as a performer and, and, and personally. And like I said, the reason I keep on going forward is because I have such a, a passion and love for telling stories. And, and my opinion is if you don't have that passion... And acting is not the thing for you. Truth. Amen, brother. Amen. Amen. So, uh, what we, what's what's Alexander Hawk got coming up next? What's what's in the future in the pipeline? Hmm. I think that's a good question. I mean, um, there's a lot of things that are you know on the horizon that are possibilities, but nothing definite. Um, I mean, the big thing is, as everyone knows, with you know, COVID and all that crap going on, that it, a lot of projects that were going to happen have been either put on hiatus or planned for, like, 2021. Yeah. But uh, even now, we don't know how things are going to progress by the end of this year. Yeah. So, I mean... I know that as soon as uh, things, you know, get a little 
Plus Harry, I mean Matthew Fisher and myself, we got some projects that we have planned and, and we're going to go ahead with for Bombastic Films. Um, but those are the uh, only uh, sure things that I know that uh, we are going to be doing. And uh, I got a few other things that people talk to me about, but uh, they're still kind of in the air until, you know, things are more figured out. If I was to ask you to let, tell me the first thing that pops in your head and say, what, as an actor, what was the worst experience you've been through? Worst experience I've been through? Are you talking about, like, um, film that I've been a part of? Or? Just as experiences being an actor, whether it was uh, somebody, you know, turned down, like a disappointment you know, a scene that you, you were hard on yourself for, a scene where you got yelled at by a director, you know, any anything anything that you were doing the craft that you, you know, was just like, you, you, you define as one of the low points of the craft. Uh. Uh. I was going to have you, first thing that popped in your head, well, okay, okay. Um, first thing that uh, uh, that popped into my head was there was this short film called Pathways yeah. that I ended up being a part of. Yeah. And um, uh, there was a, I think the guy was a first-time director. And uh, it's just that everything that could go wrong went wrong with that film. And, I mean, I've never seen a finished product, so I don't know if he's, what he did with the uh, footage, what he, he actually put it together and just hasn't put it out, or, but it was one of those things, when, when I sign up for, for a film, whether it's good or bad, I believe that if I agree to something, you know, it's kind of, even though it's not written down, I, I look at it as a kind of a contract. Yeah. So, even when things aren't going well, you know, kind of like, well, I already agreed, I can't really back out of it. Right. Um, but the the experience of doing, like, three days of shooting uh, with the cast, and on the fourth day when I showed up, I was the only one from the original cast still there because all the others just quit. And no one told me. Mm. So I was still kind of stuck into it. Um, I mean, I mean, even, even that bad experience, I mean, I ended up working again with another guy that had worked on another project. Nice guy, uh, Mike Beers. I mean, that was probably the best part of the experience was getting to work with him again. And, you know, I consider him a friend. But uh, other than that, the film itself ended up being extremely uh, a painful experience uh, being a part of. Mike's a good guy. I'm going to stop you there because uh, we would almost have to start up another episode, my friend. All right, first, first, thing, that, first thing that pops in your head, uh, what, what good experience or best experience that, you, that, that pops in your head first from being an actor? Uh, being an actor, yeah. Um, shit. Um, 
Welcome to the Robberless Idol. Huh? The money? What'd you say? <laughs> the money. No, no, I haven't seen money yet, but working with Robert Lasada. Word up. Yeah, that that would be uh, a great experience because I love his work. Yeah. yeah. Mel, you got any last uh, questions for the big man over here? Before This is the last time we're going to be able to talk to him before he goes Hollywood and forgets about us. <laughs> oh, no, and doesn't want to talk to us little people anymore. Yeah. Uh, don't say that. <laughs> Horrifying. No, Huck would never do that to any of nah, us. I know, Huck's a good man. Um, so yeah, I mean, if, if Mel don't have any, uh, other questions that we can wrap it up and where can people find you, uh, and the, you know, you see you work. All right. Um, you can always find me on Facebook underneath Alexander Hawk, uh, H A U C K, um, or Alexander Hawk, uh, fan page, uh, both, uh, both, uh, places you can, uh, get a hold of me. Um, I also am on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And let's see. Uh, uh, just I to find a Twitter tag. Yeah, I'm trying to find my Twitter tag. Let's see. Oh, come on. Okay. Okay, it looks like... Uh, Alexander Hawk won. Yeah. Alexander at Alexander Hawk One is my uh, Twitter tag, and on Instagram I am bringing that up. Alexander Hawk Two. Uh, actually, actually, it's Hawkman Two Twenty is my um, Instagram uh, tag. What four twenty? No, no, um, two twenty. Hawkman Two Twenty. Hawkman don't smoke weed and die if he smoked weed and kill him. You're the, you're the only person I know that named Hawk that would call himself the Hawkman. I dig it, though. I represent. That means you don't give a fuck. That's big, gigantic exactly. balls. That's big, gigantic balls you're showing by doing that. And then you got, you got, you got what do you got, Alexander Hawk 1? That means you're number fucking one, numero uno. That's big fucking balls, dude. But it takes. Hey, dude, dude, no one's got bigger balls than me. You know that. It takes a big man with balls to do what you're doing. You comments. I'm leaving that alone. To be fucking killing it in, in the way you're doing it. Now, you're part of a team, a filmmaking team, too, you said? Is there a way to find that filmmaking team? Do they have a name? Oh, yep, yep. Uh, that is Boombasta, uh, Boombastic Films. Are you sure? Um, huh? Are you sure? You had to say it twice. Well, I was going to say Boombastic Cast, but that's our uh, podcast. That's next. But Boombastic Films on uh, Facebook yeah. is where you can get a hold of us. Cool beans. Yeah. And if you want to listen to our podcast, uh, Boombastic Cast is, uh, is what you can find us on uh, Facebook also. Now, the Boombastic Cast is, is, is a brother show to us on the old Boombastic Media Network. For anybody out there that wants, yeah, Boombastic Cast can be seen on Boombastic Media, all one word on YouTube. Uh, go find us. There are some criminals that have Boombastic Media broken up into two words on there, but we're the one word. We're all together, one word. Um, you'll, you'll notice it's the one with like uh, a bunch of videos. 
But uh, yeah, you can see a lot of the film stuff and uh, a lot of the pod, uh, the vidcast. I think the kids call it vidcast because it's a video uh, one. Which uh, there's talk I heard shock treatment might enter the realm of video one of these days. We might enter the ring. We might enter that motherfucking ring, girl. Put on the fucking the gloves and knock around some people, I guess, in the big ring of the video, the video world. Yeah, there's there's, there's been a lot of talk about that. There's been a lot of speculation. We're just waiting to make sure, you know, that you know the, the money's right. Word. <laughs> right, exactly. There he goes. That's true. Well, well, Alexander Hawk, thank you for having. Uh, thank you for giving us uh, uh, the time, and uh, we we appreciate having you on. You know, we're we're very happy uh, to see what you're doing and continued success. I know I can speak for Mel with that. And uh, if you don't believe me, she said it earlier in the show. You can listen back. She's very proud as well. And uh, keep up the good work, man. You're cruising. You're doing a good. Um, you know, we know we we know a lot of actors in our community, and uh, not too many of them actually. And not, nothing against them, not too many of them leave the state to go do, you know, other films that uh, are gonna get some, you know, get some Walmart releases and good distribution and such, and get some name actors in it. So, uh, you know, pat yourself on the back, but not for too long. You know, you're doing good. You know what I mean? <laughs> okay, good. and thanks uh, for both of you guys having me on the show. Anytime. Would love to, uh, uh, if, if you could be humbled to come back on our show sometime um, and remember who we are uh, when you're a big, rich person and a uh, big celebrity and you're doing films with Brad Pitt and Brad Pitt's uh, playing the buddy and you're the guy with the woman. You know what I mean? Pretty soon I'll be hanging out at Hawk at a convention because he's one of the guests there instead of as one of my friends. <laughs> I remember, I'll be like, I remember... I'll be waiting in line to just to like talk to the hawk, where he makes me wait in like an hour, uh, hour long line, just just to like, just so he can say hi and usher me and say he's gonna a uh, Jason Momoa charge me. Ah, seven I was waiting for that. I was waiting for that. Yeah, I, br- I brought it up. We're gonna pay one hundred and ten dollars for an, for a photo op, and then not even get to say hello unless we pay eighty dollars. <laughs> Well, the crazy part is the you guys bought the photo op. So, if if someone's paying a hundred and whatever dollars for uh, to take a picture with you, I think for the rest of that weekend, you should be uh, very very nice to them because you should sign my picture for free because I just spent a hundred and ten dollars on your photo op. Yeah, at the end of the day, I mean, like, hey hey hey, up. all I have to say is if if I I'm I'm. Uh, Ever, uh, 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 you know, selling photo ops or autographs for like a hundred and fifty bucks. I, I promise that uh, I will be uh, uh, signing anything and everything that you guys want signed. Those photo ops that they charge people hundreds of dollars for should come with autographs. And, and nowadays they print them out for you right there. There's no fucking reason why. People can't approach that picture, that eight by ten, after the fact, and just throw a signature on the picture, uh, and make it, yeah. make, make, make make it even more better. You know what I mean? But, yeah, uh, I mean, especially when you know you, you ask him for so much for so little. I, we should, I mean, it's it reminds me that like uh, I forget which convention we were at, but you know, like going up to Jason Mewes. I mean. He was like, you know, I think it was only like fifteen or twenty bucks for his his signature, yeah. and and also yeah, uh, picture. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, the thing is that 
I think a lot of times actors, you know, just, you know, but get too stuck on their hype and not realize that, you know, these fans, these are the ones why you have a job. Without them, you don't have a job. We're going to have to cut the show before we get ourselves in trouble with uh, all, all the, pe- the celebrities at conventions aren't going to dig us if, if we keep going on. No, I mean, it's just one of those things, you know, it's fun. You know, everybody plays a part. We can edit that out. <laughs> Nothing gets edited out. We keep it raw and real on the show. And uh, with that, uh, before we get in any trouble, we'll catch everybody else on the next episode of Come Again. Alex, thanks for being on the show, buddy. Anytime, anytime. Do you want to tell it? Do you want to bring... Well, you don't listen to the show, so you don't know how to bring us out, right? How you like that silence? I just killed everybody. <laughs> All right, folks, we'll kill. We'll catch y'all on the next episode. Next of, episode. <laughs> of shock treatment with Mel and Matty.